Hi again, everyone. I'm JC. This is the You Made New Podcast, Episode 9. Happy to have you back with me as we continue to make this a gospel-centered approach, um, grounded in Scripture, um, not just as a side part of our approach, not just as one little piece that we add to our wellness plan, but as the center and core of everything we're doing. And that's why I've spent so much time in Scripture over the last several episodes, because I really want this to be um, Christ-centered. Not just, again, like I said, him helping us with our own plans, but to reframe our thinking so he is at the core of everything we do when it comes to our health and wellness. So this time, we're going to do exactly that. We're going to dive right back into the scriptures, into Daniel chapter 1. This is one of those stories that I think most of us have heard before. We know Daniel's stories, Daniel in the lion's den and his three buddies in the, in the fiery furnace. They're great stories. But this is one that has so much application for what we're talking about. But sometimes we miss it. It's, it's the very beginning of Daniel's journey as he comes into Babylon. He's been carried away captive from Jerusalem. And Nebuchadnezzar the king has decided he's not going to make all these new Hebrews his slaves. He wants to bring the best and the brightest into the palace and use them in leadership um, and use their gifts. And so he has brought Daniel and his three friends into the palace and is ready to coach them in the Babylonian ways. And so as they're being taught and and learning this new culture in Daniel chapter one, let's go with verse five. I'm in the King James version. It says that the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine, which he drank. So nourishing them three years that at the end thereof, they might stand before the king. Now it tells, it tells us that this is Daniel and Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah, which are the same three boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But then in verse eight, it says that Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, this didn't go over very well with that prince of the eunuchs because, like in verse 10, it says, um, he says, I fear my lord the king, but, sorry, I fear my lord the king who hath appointed your meat and your drink, for why should he see your faces worse than the children which are of your, your sort? You're, you're not going to be as healthy and fattened up and, and he's going to get mad at me. But Daniel said, test me, just test me in verse 12, give me 10 days. And all I want to eat, it says in the King James, is pulse and water to drink. Pulse is simply a word that is like food grown from the ground. It could be translated vegetables, roots, um, you know, that kind of made from seeds, grains, things like that. Then after 10 days, look on us and see. You can decide for yourself. And if you don't like it, I'll go right back to the original Babylonian plan. Now, again, if you've heard this story, you know the ending. The, the prince said, all right, all right, I'll let you try it. And then in verse 15, it says, and at the end of 10 days, their countenances appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children, which did eat the portion of the king's meat. Now don't get caught up on the fatter in flesh part. <laughs> I, I know that has its own meaning in our world. All it meant was they were healthier and more vibrant than all the others who had been eating the king's rich food. Um, I want to hone in on a couple of things from this passage specifically. 
we know that, that a lot of that rich meat that I'm sure they were offered was probably against the law of Moses. We know what's kosher and not kosher. And so part of it was that it was breaking his own law, his, his Hebrew law to partake of some of this. But it's interesting to me that Daniel does not say in this passage, I can't partake it breaks of breaks my God's law. He didn't say that. The reason he gave, and this is interesting. I looked up several different translations to see, and every single one used used the same word. I don't want to defile myself. That's in the ESV, the NIV, the King James, the message, the NTL, excuse me, NLT. Um, They all say, translate that Hebrew word as Daniel said, I don't want to defile myself with this rich food. Um, another thing that made me laugh is as I was studying the, the different, um, translations, and you, if you get into the amplified version, it called it the rich and dainty food of the King <laughs> boy. Again, when we're looking at application, if we don't have rich and dainty food that we partake of in our generation, oh, do we ever rich and dainty food? We have all our favorite dainties, don't we? Um, so what finally struck me as I began to really ponder this decision that Daniel made very consciously not to defile himself with this rich food is the the difficult realization that I was not like Daniel at all. For many, many, many years, I indulged every single craving that I had for all the dainties around me, call them M&Ms or Twix bars or Reese's or see mine was, mine was chocolate. Yours might be something else. Put, insert your favorite food into this blank, right? I did not say what Daniel said. I did partake. In fact, I really like the word indulge because I indulged my cravings. Of course, except when I was on a like quote unquote diet, then I would, I'd, you know, I'm losing weight, so I wouldn't indulge then. But in between those crazy moments when I thought dieting would actually work, I, I indulged my cravings. I was nowhere near the mindset that Daniel had. And so I began to think about that in a little greater depth because I began to see that it was an odd thing because in other areas of my life, I practiced a great deal of self-control. I did not indulge my every craving or whim. I mean, let's, let's take a stupid example like, um, shoplifting. (laughs) I, of course there were things I wanted that I couldn't afford. We all do, you know, we all covet things from time to time, don't we? And, and drool over things that we can't really, that we don't really have the money to, but most of us don't walk into the store and just find a way to steal them and walk away. I want this. So I'm just going to indulge that craving and take it. I, I had never indulged in that. I don't know why I just had set that boundary for myself and had that self-control. And I did not indulge that craving to find a way to just take something that I was wanting. Um, I also thought in terms of my marriage, it kind of goes back to that story we used in an earlier episode. I did not indulge. I mean, not that I wanted to date under other men. I adore my husband. I love him, but I didn't indulge that any of that. Like, Oh, I want to get to know this other person. He's very intriguing. I love you, but I'm going to indulge in dating other men. No, no, I didn't do that. Do you see what I'm saying? I, I, there were many areas of my life where I didn't indulge in hard drugs. I mean, I, 
I was able to set limits for myself and keep them without white knuckle willpower. I didn't have to use white knuckle willpower not to steal things. I just, I just didn't indulge that. I didn't listen to that craving. But what's odd is when it came to food, it was so hard. I indulged <laughs> and trying not to was like trying to hold your breath after a while. Just, oh, you just have to, you just give in and it was a very different situation. I didn't have the control that Daniel did at all. Uh, it was a little disheartening to look at that and think, why? Why did I so easily in indulge every food craving I have without, without much guilt to it, honestly? I think sometimes I felt a little guilty about it when I would gain weight. If it caused me to gain weight, I'd feel bad about it and tell myself that I shouldn't do that anymore. But honestly, I did not believe, like Daniel said, that the rich food and the dainty food would defile me. I think I just thought it would make me bigger. And most of the time I was like, well, I'm fine. I, I'm, I don't care. I'm at a size. I'll just, it's, I like the food better. I don't care. I don't, I'll make peace with the size I am. But I didn't really see it as defiling me. Um, which is interesting. I, I think that's what finally turned the corner for me in my health journey is when the Lord began to open my eyes and say, JC, that's not true. It absolutely is defiling your body. Um, let's look for just one minute back into Daniel and I'll give you an example. And then I'll give you some personal examples from my life. You look at the end of this story and how those four, um, young men were described so yes, it says in verse um, 15 that they were more vibrant and healthy and fair and, and um, robust than any of the other children in the palace. So yes, there were huge physical benefits from um, maintaining a more healthy diet. And that's, again, the reasoning we just think, okay, yeah, I want, I want to be healthy. But look, look in verse 17, if you have your scriptures with you, go grab your Bible. Daniel 1 verse 17, as for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams and go to 20 and in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them. He found them 10 times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. So there were spiritual blessings, mental blessings. These men, it wasn't just what they look like, their health. What's pointed out is they were different mentally, emotionally, physically, or spiritually able to interpret dreams, able to have visions. There was a connection spiritually that became, that came as a result of caring for themselves in this way. And that's what blew my mind as I began to explore this um, personally. As I looked more into sugar addiction and began to see, and again, this is all from my sugar addiction class. I'll back this up in that class if you want to learn more, um, that it was tied to my depression, my mood swings, my anger, my short fuse with my kids, uh, a lot of my restlessness, impatience, <coughs> excuse me, I, it was defiling me. The food was defiling me in much bigger ways than just making me gain weight. And the biggest example to me of that is once I cleared my diet of those things and follow, followed Daniel's example and just moved to a more whole food um, diet where the dainties were put away for a while, the rich dainty food, I was shocked 
yes, at the physical changes, but more so at the emotional changes and the spiritual changes that I didn't see coming. I didn't understand that that was part of the, maybe not just part of the reason I was on that journey, but the biggest reason, because the Lord knew all that food, um, the way it was causing my body to misfire and not function, it was blocking me emotionally and spiritually in a way that I could not be who he needed me to be. And once I was able to learn this lesson from Daniel to not defile myself, it was, it was a difference in me spiritually that blew my mind. It just seemed like that whole conduit just opened up and suddenly the light um, was just filling me in a way that it really didn't before. I was so, my body was just um, so off because of the way I was feeding it. It didn't have the nutrients it needed to function. The brain chemicals were off. And and suddenly I felt like Daniel. I felt my life, like my life was 10 times different than it was when I was partaking of that food. Um, let me just share some insight. I, as I was studying this idea of indulgence and, and I go into the indulgence idea a little bit more in my emotional eating class and why we, um, sometimes do that. But I found an article by John Bloom from the desiringgod.org website. It's called lay aside the weight of self indulgence. And he has a couple of really cool points that, that I just wanted to share really quick. He, he makes this point right from the beginning. He says, at the moment of indulging, it doesn't feel like an enemy. It feels like a reward that makes us happy, right? Isn't he spot on? He says, it feels like a relief from a craving that insistently begs for satisfaction. Oh, if that didn't describe me and food. It didn't feel like an indulgent. It, it just felt like my best friend. We've talked about that a relief from that craving that was just driving me and driving me for satisfaction. But he says, after indulging, defeat hangs like a heavy yoke around the neck of our souls. Like we know we've given in. We have a sense of that. And we'll talk a lot more um, as the podcast podcast goes along. And I do it the same thing in my courses about how to master that persistent craving and not give in to that. But he has a really, really great insight on this. He says, wherever we have a persistent pattern of self-indulgence that we just can't seem to conquer, what we are dealing with is our own unwillingness to let go of a promised happiness. If we simply try to address our craving, we likely won't see long-term change because it's not our craving that's so strong. What's strong is our belief that we will be less happy if we pass up the indulgence. Belief governs cravings. Did you catch that? It's not the craving itself. It's the belief underneath that if I don't fulfill the craving, I'm going to be less happy. And that goes along with things I've said so far in this podcast that people would look at me and say, I'd rather be dead than give this up. Doesn't that manifest the exact same belief that will steal my happiness if I can't indulge this, these cravings? It's how did he say it? Um, what's strong in our belief is our belief that we'll be less happy if we pass up the indulgence. And that's what ruled my beliefs for a long time. I think Daniel understood the truth. He understood that there would be a greater reward for not indulging than the taste on our tongues when we indulge. He, he began to see the bigger picture. It took me some time healing my body to begin to understand that for myself. 
that the rewards of taking care of my temple, not just physically, yes, huge physical changes, but emotionally, spiritually, my connection to the Lord just opened up in a way that's very hard for me to find words for. And so it's funny as, as I tell people and talk sometimes about the transformation that's gone on in my life over the last 15 years, it's very, very telling to me that the Lord started with my food issues and my body image issues and all of this, the way I cared for my temple. That was what, what began this whole journey. And it led into all different areas of my life. It didn't just stay in the health and wellness realm. I mean, boy, we tackled some other deep stuff, but I can see now why he went there first. I was so blocked and so defiled by what I was eating that I, he, I, it's just like, he couldn't even get through to me. His voice was garbled. I was so um, limited in my ability to function in a stable, clear, um, light filled way because of what that dainty, rich food was doing to my body. I, I will probably go in the next episode. I'm pretty sure we'll talk a little bit about what do you mean by, do I just eat pulse and water? Like Daniel just said, pulse and water, just vegetables like celery and water for the rest of my life. No, we're going to outline it a little bit more in the next episode, like how we have our own Daniel moment and what that looks like for us. But truly, I believe with all my heart, because I've experienced it in such a powerful way, We will be different if we walk in the journey of health that Christ has outlined for us. If we care for our bodies in a way that they can truly um, function at their full capacity. Only then are we truly going to be effective disciples. Are we going to able, be able to experience the, the profound blessings he has for those who love him? The body has to be in a state to receive them. And so I just want so much to send the message of Daniel out there today that we in our generation have a really hard time sometimes not justifying and rationalizing our food intake. We may avoid the other bigger sins. You know, I'm not, again, I've said this before, I'm not doing heroin. I'm not, you know, I'm not an alcoholic. I, it's just chocolate. But for me, it, it still defiled me as much as those other things were. And, and again, I talk more about that in some of my classes, why that is so. It makes more sense once you are educated a little bit on, on processed food and what some of those things do in the body. But if we can see it, like John Bloom said in his article, as a greater reward, if we don't indulge, it's not that we'll be less happy. I want to paint the picture that there's something much, much, much better out there waiting for us. And so not indulging is a tiny little sacrifice for a much richer blessing. Again, that's the core of my satisfied class, that message right there. Um, it, it's not even going to feel like a sacrifice because we'll get so much in return. I, I would love for you to have some patience with yourself as you listen to this um, podcast, because Again, we could listen to Daniel's story and just be flooded with shame over our inability to have the kind of self-control that he had. But there were some reasons for me that, that I had 
made those particular choices. And the Lord was compassionate with me and helped me understand. And once my mind could, could grasp the truth and to, and truly turn to the spirit for self-control, like we've already talked about, I, I was able to see that same kind of triumph that Daniel experienced. And, and the same thing will be true for you as you grasp Christ's hand in this way. So dive into Daniel, do a little studying of your own, do a little journaling, see how this applies to your life as we move forward um, and take our steps toward a healthier, more vibrant, more amazing inner spiritual life. Thanks for joining me this time. See you next episode.